0: Would you stand and listen for the gospel? This morning from Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. And Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, "This is the Word of God for the people of God. God."." Doug has a ministry in Washington, DC. He mostly works with politicians and those involved with statecraft, but through an unrelated series of events, he met a man named Bob. Bob was an insurance salesman, not involved in politics at the least. Through their relationship and a series of events in Bob's life, Bob, who had not been a Christian, professes faith and becomes a Christian. And through his relationship with Doug, Doug offers to become his mentor as a new Christian. Bob accepts. Doug recommends that Bob starts reading the Bible. So Bob does so. Then one day, very excitedly, he comes into Doug's office and says, I have a question for you. He said, I need to know if this is true. And Doug says, what is that? And he said, I have read in the Bible that Jesus says, ask whatever you will in my name, and you will receive it. Is that true? And Doug says, well, it's not a blank check. You have to read that passage in the context of all that jesus has said and all that the bible says about prayer but yes it is true that your prayers will be answered and then bob said well if that's the case i gotta start praying and doug says right you should choose a few things to pray for and bob says i've got it i'm going to pray for africa And Doug says, that may be a little big to begin with. See if you can narrow that down. As they discussed it, Bob narrowed it down to Kenya. He was going to pray for Kenya. Doug says, do you know anybody there? Bob says, no. Have you ever been there? Bob says, no. He said, why Kenya? He said, I don't know, but that's what I want to pray for. So Doug says, okay, pray for Kenya. And then Doug challenged Bob to pray for Kenya every day for six months. And he added a little incentive since Bob was a businessman. He says, I'll tell you what. If you'll pray for Kenya every day for six months and nothing remarkable happens between you and Kenya... I will give you $500 but if you pray for Kenya every day for six months and you see some results you see something happen you give me $500 Bob thought about it for a little bit apparently Doug is a creative teacher and mentor now Doug says if you miss a day Or if you quit praying the whole deal is off finally bob says okay i'm in and he begins to pray bob began to pray very earnestly but for a long while nothing happened but he continued to pray every day and then one night he was at a dinner party talking with people people going around the table telling what they do for a living and one woman that he had never met before says she works with an orphanage overseas guess where Kenya Bob begins to ask her questions about what she does and how she got there and what they do and how it works she finally says you have a keen interest in Kenya do you know somebody there Bob says no Tells her quickly about the $500 deal and how he's been praying so earnestly. She says, you know, would you like to come to Kenya? Bob felt his heart leap within him. Oh, would he like to go? But then he remembered the $500 and he could feel it slipping out of his wallet. But he said yes anyway. And he goes to Kenya to the orphanage The woman shows him around, and he is devastated. There is so much poverty. There's such a lack of basic resources and health care services that by the time he is finished, he is just overwhelmed with the need, and he returns to America. But his six months are not up, so he continues to pray and he gets an idea and he writes a letter to several large pharmaceutical companies that he knows have lots of supplies at the end of the year or they update with a new product line and they just throw away the supplies and the equipment and in the letter he describes to them his experience of going to this orphanage and the overwhelming poverty and lack of resources and asked them if they would be willing to send products and equipment that they don't need to this orphanage and then he continues to pray sometime later he gets a phone call from the woman he had met at the dinner party that works at the orphanage and she is ecstatic this orphanage received more than a million dollars worth of supplies and equipment. She is so excited. She says, You just got to come back, Bob. You're not going to believe the changes. Will you come and see us again? We're going to have a big celebration because we're opening this new facility. It's going to be wonderful. So here's Bob, the insurance salesman, getting back on a plane to fly to Kenya. And while he's there, because this is the largest orphanage in the whole country the president of kenya is there and meets bob they hit it off he asked bob if he'd like to have a tour of nairobi the capital city bob says that sounds great and so the president of the country takes bob on a tour of nairobi they go past one building that is a prison and bob says who's in there And the president says, well, mostly political prisoners. And Bob, Brightly says, that's a bad idea. You should let them go. They're not too excited about the idea. Their response is uneventful. He finishes his tour, gets back on a plane, flies back to America. Fast forward a few weeks, his phone rings. Is this Bob? Well, yes. Have you been to Kenya lately? Well, yes. Did you have a discussion with the president about political prisoners? He said, well, yes. What did you say? I told him it was a bad idea and he should let them go. The State Department on the other end said, we have been working for years to try to get Kenya to release their political prisoners to no avail. But they have notified us that they're now releasing them. And when we asked them why, they said, your name. The State Department was calling to thank Bob for the release of the political prisoners in Kenya. Fast forward another few months, Bob's phone rings again. It's the president of Kenya, now his friend. He says, we're getting ready to have elections. We're going to be changing some people and positions on our cabinet. I was wondering if you would fly to Kenya and be with me for three days, your role would be to pray for me that I might have wisdom in the selection of the new personnel. Can you believe that? It's a true story but it seems unbelievable to us does it not one that any of that could happen but particularly for a new Christian who knew nothing about prayer until he began to pray for Kenya so here we have a man a regular guy who got excited about a Bible promise and took up a curious prayer challenge and then amazing things magnificent wonderful things began to happen for him and for the people for whom he was praying i love that story it makes me more serious about my prayer life it makes me a better prayer i tell you all that Because this morning, we're starting this series I'm calling, Does Anything Go? You have helped me know what issues you would like to talk about. There were several questions about prayer, asking me, how does this prayer thing really work? Wanting me to talk some about that. Does praying really change anything? Was what one person wrote. So we're going to look at that a little more this morning as i thought through that and how we could talk about that i've put three questions down i want us to walk through i've put them in the outline the first one is how does god work in the world particularly with humans is god's work or purpose personalized and does praying really change anything i'll use our opening illustration as a way to help us see how this might work But first of all my answer to the first one how does god work in the world i believe god is at work in all of us every day in each of our lives offering us prompting us leading us toward the good i don't think of it so much as god using god's power to dip in and out of human events and intervene in this and change that i rather think that god is omnipresent that is with us anytime all the time anywhere everywhere that god is with us and god is offering the good to us and prompting us and leading us and trying to show us the way but god has also given us free will so we have to pay attention we have to discern what the options and opportunities are and we have to make some decisions about our behavior and our choices and how we're going to move ahead you can see in the story of bob and doug all the different decisions that had to be made bob had to decide to respond to god's offer of love through jesus christ and then he had to decide to not only make that profession of faith but agree to be in a relationship where he would grow and learn. Remember, that is the root word for disciple. Bob had to decide not only to say he was a Christian, but really to work at being a Christian. And Doug had to decide to stay in a relationship with Bob and agree to be his mentor and spend some extra time with him and pray for him and teach him and give him ideas and offer him this curious prayer challenge and then when bob met the woman from kenya he had a decision to make he had an invitation to go but he had to decide to spend the money and the resources and the time and fly to a country where he had never been and didn't know anybody and then when he was overwhelmed by the poverty he had other decisions to make he could have stopped completely and thought it's just too much Or he could have continued to pray, but not really taken action. Or he could decide to do something, which he did. And on and on, you see how those decisions that Doug and Bob made gave God more options in terms of how to work through them and how to make a difference in their lives and the lives of other people. I think God works through us and in us and around us but it takes our cooperation in most circumstances to maximize what god is trying to do to move us all toward the divine good then another one of the questions was the second one i have put here is god's work or purpose personalized or individualized does god really care about us as individuals i would say yes i believe it is i believe god's work is personalized and individualized I believe God does know us as individuals and responds to us in that way I think God's work is so brilliant and far-reaching that it's very difficult for us to comprehend how God could do all that we claim God does and yet if we took time this morning I bet we would hear testimony after testimony from people seated here among us about how they have experienced god at work in a very personal situation in their own lives how they've felt god's presence in their own experience coming to them just as they needed it or leading somebody else to come to them right at the time of their need Oh, if we would take the time, we could probably spend hours hearing stories about how God has worked in all of our lives. But it takes time to track it and to watch for it and to see how God's work unfolds in our lives. It's not always what we have prayed for. It's not always worked out the way we thought it would work out. And yet, if we persevere in prayer as Jesus suggest we do in this passage today, we begin to see God's hand at work in our lives. Certainly, it's true for Bob and Doug and that story I shared with you earlier. Then finally, does praying really change anything? My view is that it primarily changes the prayer, the one who is praying, Primarily, this conversation, this dialogue, this conversation with God changes us. That's been my experience. That's what so many of those who have come before us in the faith have said, that primarily what happens when you engage seriously in a relationship with God, it begins to change you. It brings a sense of calm and peace inside of you. It enlarges your heart understand more of who God is, and to love more like God loves. I think it creates in the prayer a strength and a space for God to be at work in a way that, if we're not praying, is not available for God. But it makes us a more fit instrument or vehicle, if you will, for God's love and grace to be poured into the world. You could say what it does primarily, this conversation with God, this prayer time with God, is that it shapes and forms us evermore into the image of Christ. So it really does change things. But I think the first place The best place to look for the change is within the one praying. But of course, we also see magnificent results in other people's lives as the story of Bob and the Kenyans represents but also i believe prayer also builds up the body of christ that when we are praying not only are we a better instrument for god to work in our lives and the lives of those around us but i think it begins to bind us together within the body of christ it creates a kind of synergy and unity when we are praying for one another within the body our attachment and sense of connectedness to each other changes I know you've experienced this if you've been praying for somebody else you begin to get connected with them in a in a deeper way in a more intimate way because you are investing yourself and your time and your prayers and in, in their good you're hoping and praying for their good and probably working for their good and when that happens you see that it Changes you and your relationship with them and maybe your relationship with God but so often Sometimes we we see the, the change in them easier than we see the change in us So it really does change things Jesus uses the image of the wind at another place in the scripture and says we don't really know where the wind comes from But we can hear it. We can see the results and for those of you who like research and results you'll be glad to know there have now been hundreds of scientific studies done under controlled conditions that show the results of prayer are remarkable many of these have been done in settings of health care and medicine dr larry dossi md has written a book about this the book is entitled prayer is good medicine I would recommend the book to you but I want to read just a couple of sentences of what he wrote he says prayer or a prayer-like state of compassion empathy and love can bring about healthful changes in many types of living things from humans to bacteria this does not mean that prayer always works any more than drugs or surgery always work but that statistically speaking prayer is effective and in his book he details a lot of those studies and what he's seen in his own practice and what other researchers have found about the efficacy or effectiveness of prayer leading toward healing Well, in our scripture today, Jesus teaches us that it is important to persevere in prayer. He tells this story that seems to compare God to a friend who didn't really want to help. It can be confusing when we first read it if we think it's a story of comparison. But I think as you read through it multiple times, you may begin to see what i saw and some others see is rather it's a parable of contrast jesus is not saying if you if you'll only persist long enough god will finally get up and help you but rather even though a friend someone who cares about you may take a little help to decide to help you that god is ready and waiting for you right now that god wants to help you right now, that God just can hardly wait. Hear it in verse 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. But then the clincher comes when he goes on and again compares or contrasts God with human parents. And he says even human parents give their kids good things. When their children ask for good things, they don't give them evil things or bad things or things that will hurt them. They give good things. And then in verse 13, right after that, he says, so how much more? how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him and there's an exclamation point at the end of that sentence jesus is emphasizing that god is ready to give you god's very self through the presence of the holy spirit if we would but ask can you see the design god has created us in such a way that we have this yearning for god and god has extended love and grace to us and is waiting for us to respond and how we respond to god's gracious initiative has some bearing on how we experience who god is and how god's at work in our lives and and in our world But what Jesus is promising is that when we respond when we ask when we search when we knock God answers every time and we get to connect with God and it's not just that we get the results primarily what we get is God's self we get a relationship with the Holy One the creator of the universe the one who loves our souls and us more and we can really imagine the promise of the gospel is you will encounter God at work in your life and in the world if you ask, search, and knock. So what if we, what if we all would take the Bob chow? I'm not i'm not going to offer you all 500 dollars but i'm going to take that notion of choosing something and praying every day for six months and watching to see if god doesn't do something remarkable in you and in your life are you willing to pray every day for six months and watch for god to be at work What might God do if all of us made that kind of commitment to persevere, made that kind of commitment to wait on God and to see what God might do. If for every day for six months, we were really focused and asking and searching and knocking and waiting and trusting this promise of Christ that God will respond. I've asked Dr. Les Brothers in the choir to come down And just play a short piece for us on the piano to give us a few minutes. Because what I want you to do is, if you're willing to do this, is to pick up the registration pad that's at the end of your pew there and put a six by your name and then pass it down the row. And then pass it back. If you're willing to pray for six months for something specific and watch and record what God is doing, what you see God doing, what your experience with God is... I'll put you on a list, and in six months, I'm going to send you a letter and ask you what happened, and then I'll share with the congregation what our experience with prayer and with God is. Would you join me in a time of prayer and reflection?